to another Veterinary Team Training Podcast. My name is Amy Newfit. I'm both the host and owner of Vet Team Training. Please check out all my other blogs, vlogs, and podcasts at VetTeamTraining.com. Today, I'm jumping on a hot button topic. And honestly, I, I didn't even think about doing this podcast until I posted what, what I felt was a very funny meme on my Facebook page. So on November 25th, Thanksgiving Day here in the United States, a French bulldog named Winston won the National Dog Show. He won the top prize at the National Dog Show. And the meme that I posted was from a funny group called the Cage Liner. They're actually a Canadian-based group. And it's a picture of a bulldog that actually was not Winston. And it said, breaking news, French bulldog wins top prize at National Dog Show, securing misery and dyspnea for future generations. Now, it had 82 shares, 496 reactions to it, 121 comments, and over 12,000 of you saw this post. So it definitely got some views. But what was interesting was that there was a lot of people who didn't understand why I thought that was funny because hashtag it's funny because it's true meme. And there were a lot of people who said, oh, that dog was beautiful. How dare you think that dog was ugly? So I thought I would go into this podcast and explain that I believe certain breeds should no longer exist. Yes, I am going to take a very hard line here and I understand some of you immediately just shut me off and that's totally fine. I'm okay with that. But let me preface by saying I am coming from a place of kindness for the animals. I dedicated my entire life pretty much even when I was a little girl, I knew I was going to enter into a workforce that involved me helping and saving animals in everything that I do. I am helping animals and whether or not that be me directly touching and physically helping to save animals or whether or not that be me hopefully helping veterinary teams through training, education, or even improving their workplace environment. Everything that I do directly comes back to my finite thing and reason why I am on this planet, which is I love animals more than I love people. No offense to all of you listening. And I've dedicated my life to them. This is not a job for me. This is a passion. And one of my passions took me very early on in my career, about six, seven years into my career, I had been working in general practice and I found myself gravitating towards emergency cases. I found myself wanting to know more about emergency cases and I eventually became a veterinary technician specialist in emergency critical care. I am very proud of being a VTS in ECC. That is where I always probably will hang my hat. I'm a veterinary technician first and then I'm a veterinary technician in emergency critical care second. And so I, I love and truly have a passion, not just for veterinary medicine, but also for the emergency side of things. Once you are in the emergency medicine realm, your vision of animals and veterinary medicine and pet ownership becomes very skewed. You start to see things in a completely different way. You know, I am that person that if you are my friend and you are, let's say we're going on a road trip and you put your dog in the back seat. I immediately start thinking about all the terrible tragedies that could happen in the backseat of a vehicle. That's where an emergency veterinary technician or veterinarian's brain goes. I immediately think, are they secured in any way? And how are they secured? Are they going to get flung off the seat if we get in a car accident? Are they going to go through a windshield? Why did you lower that window so far that now it's head sticking out? Do you not know of the ocular injuries that can occur? Have you do not realize that rocks hit windshield and your dog sticking its head out of the window? Therefore, a rock could hit its head? Because 
In emergency medicine, just when you think you've seen it all, some other crazy injury or freak accident or scary thing happens. And at this point, I've seen a lot, but I know I haven't seen it all. But I say this all because I have a bias and my brain is skewed towards emergency. I see some of the worst things and all of us in emergency medicine will agree that our, we constantly walk around with our own pets going, ooh, but one time there was an owner who came in and the dog had X, Y, and Z happen to him and that's why I will never do X, Y, and Z with my dog. And so we all kind of think about that same thing. Basically, it's all trying to accident-proof, injury-proof our animals because of the crazy injuries and accidents that we've seen come into our emergency room. So I, I say that because this plays into the story. In emergency medicine, one of the primary things that we see is respiratory distress. Respiratory distress can occur for a myriad of reasons. You could have a near drowning. Um, I've seen that because, unfortunately, uh, Labradors love to swim in the ocean. They love to play ball, and the they will literally exhaust themselves and have a near drowning episode by just the owner throwing the tennis ball into the ocean and the dog unfortunately getting tired and then taking water into its actual lungs. And so I've seen that happen. I've seen a lot of freak accidents falling into the pool. The dog doesn't know how to swim. It's a puppy. Um, it gets pushed underneath a little bit of ice. Uh, I live here in New England. And so we have what's called thin ice season right now, where dogs who are used to walking into lakes and ponds in these gorgeous New England areas that we have, now they go to walk into those lakes only they're partially frozen. They fall through the ice and they have a near drowning episode. Respiratory distress can occur because of heart disease. It can occur because of cancer. It can be because of sepsis. It can occur because of a myriad of other complications because of disease and illness, unfortunately. It can also occur because of smoke inhalation from say a house fire and getting that animal out of the actual smoke can cause respiratory distress. So there's a lot of things that can cause respiratory distress between the illnesses and the injuries. But the other thing that can cause respiratory distress is a syndrome called brachycephalic syndrome, which as I could tell when I posted this meme, a lot of people were unaware and those that were thought it really only occurred because it was bad breeders. It couldn't be because of the good breeders. It only occurred in bad breeders. So let me talk about not only brachycephalic breeds, but just breeding in general. But before I'm going to talk about breeders and breeding and dog breeds, I'm going to talk about what is cute. And I know that sounds like a really weird segue, but it's actually important to this entire story and why I feel the way that I do. And so it, the way that we think something is cute is universal. In fact, they've done studies as, as early as the 1920s, but probably one of the biggest ones was around the 1950s, defining what do human beings perceive as cute? Because it turns out cuteness is universal. What we think is cute here in the United States is cute over in Europe. It's cute in South Africa. It's cute in the Asian countries. It's cute absolutely everywhere, including on the North Pole. It doesn't matter. Cute is universal, which is a very interesting phenomenon. And so in 1950s, an Austrian zoologist and one of the founders of etiology, Conrad Lorenz, actually sought to figure out how do we define cute? And what he figured out was that there were certain traits of an infant's face that triggered a nurturing instinct in adults. And that was the perceivedness of cute. But it goes beyond actually an infant, a human infant. 
And so what they found is that regardless of the species, almost all infants actually have the same characteristics, whether that be an infant elephant, an infant uh, bird, an infant, uh, you know, manatee, you name the species, they all share very similar characteristics. And the similar characteristics that makes infants cute is that their face tends to be rounder. So they, they just have a more round face. Noses tend to be smaller. Eyes tend to be bigger. And so when you think about those characteristics, I want you to kind of envision what is cute. Now I want you to go literally Google cute puppy. I promise you, you will find a very round face, very big eyes, small little nose, and that's going to make you go, oh, he is so cute. Kittens, same thing, round face, gigantic eyes, tiny nose, and they sometimes make little high-pitched squeaks that we go, oh my God, he's so cute. That's universal. Now, where does this play into this story? Why do I care about cute in conjunction with breeding? The domestic dog, as we know it today, is very far removed from the wild dogs from which it was original. When we look at wolves or we look at coyotes, what do they look to? Do they look cute? They don't. And what makes them not cute? They have very long noses. They actually have eyes that are pulled a little bit more to the side and they have actually smaller eyes. And their faces are very long and narrow. And that's great for hunting and killing prey, to have more teeth for biting stuff with. So this is really important in this conversation because as we started to domesticate dogs, we started making them visually appealing. So now you can, some of you are like, I see where she's going with this. Yeah. So when we think about a visually appealing dog, right now, some of the most popular breeds out there are Frenchies, Bulldogs. Um, those tend to be very, Pugs, very popular breeds right now. What do they all have in common? Let's go back to the universal cute. And again, at this point, there's been actually hundreds of studies and those hundreds of studies have all led us to come one conclusion, which is cute is universal. Cute is by the most simplistic definition, a round face, big eyes, small nose. Tell me if that's not every single pug, Frenchie, bulldog, you name it, especially like a bulldog puppy. I mean, I just... Oh my God, they're adorable. And so I think they are adorable. I'm not going to say that they're not adorable, but unfortunately they're bred because human beings like cute. That is the reality. And now when we talk about the actual breed, that's where I have a problem. The only reason these breeds exist is because we find them cute. They barely have a purpose because they can barely function without us. First and foremost, most of those breeds Sometimes the pug can give birth naturally, but, but the French bulldog and the actual bulldog itself, they there's studies that suggest 80 to 90% of female dogs need C-sections in order to give birth. This isn't a breed that should be alive. It's only alive because human beings keep breeding and doing C-sections. That alone should tell you it shouldn't exist. But we do it because, oh my God, it's so cute. And then we get to the facial deformities. And I'm going to say it's a facial deformity. I know it's cute, but there's a point to the nose. That elongated palate, that elongated nose, 
brings in air and has the ability to cool the air down, especially during hot summer months or potentially even warm it up. So it becomes more of the body's core temperature. It also slows down the airflow so that it's less turbulent. When you take a shortened muzzle and you compact it into a shortened space, it's actually still got all of the same features. It actually all has the same structures. It's got the same amount of teeth in there, but it has no room. And so therefore the airflow is a lot turbulent. And then unfortunately, it also doesn't get a chance to get the moisture or increase or decrease the temperature. So it's hitting those soft palate areas at either a higher or lower temperature than it should be. And in the summertime, this means you have 100 plus degree Fahrenheit heat coming in with, you know, humidity. And unfortunately, it hits that soft palate that is the same amount of soft palate, same amount of tissue space in there, but compacted it in a short area. And if that wasn't worse, we have what's called stenotic nares. And so stenotic nares are unique to the brachycephalic breed. Stenotic, by definition, means narrow. And so when you look at the, the nose holes, the actual holes of these brachycephalic breeds, they're actually slits instead of round holes. When you look at every other breed of dog, take a go Google Labrador Retriever and look at its nose, it has round holes. This is really important because I want you to think about a straw. Now I want you to think about that plastic straw and I want you to go ahead and crush it with your teeth and make it into a, like a slit. It's no longer got a round hole, it's got a slit. And I want you to go ahead and insert the straw into a cup of water and I want you to suck through a normal straw and then I want you to take the pinch straw that you have now made into a narrow slit and try to suck through it. That's exactly what is happening when these dogs try to breathe. It is like sucking through a straw every single moment of their life. And that is a terrible feeling. And so this is why the majority of these dogs actually have to breathe open with their mouth because they simply can't live if they close their mouth. This is also why they significantly snore almost every single night because they're not breathing very well. And I gather most of them probably suffer from some type of sleep apnea because they can't breathe properly. And this over time causes, unfortunately, a lot of heavy lifting on their respiratory system. When you don't get in enough air, when you're not intaking the proper concentration or you're putting a lot of force into there, these dogs will have and suffer from chronic respiratory disease a lot of their life. Now, let me pause and say breeding does play into it. A better breeder will hopefully have dogs that actually have larger nose holes, they're still going to be slits. So they're not going to be round nose holes. And hopefully their nose itself extends out a little bit more. But the reality is, is that people like dogs with no nose. I mean, gosh, the shorter the nose, you take a look at Winston. He had almost no nose. Like I just felt bad for that dog. He was also, I don't know, open mouth panting most of the competition because, well, he can't breathe through his astral, actual nostrils. And so regardless of breathing, this dog should not exist, but only exist because humans intervene to give C-sections to allow this dog to actually, this breed to actually survive. For anyone who works in emergency medicine, 
you know that the amount of brachycephalic respiratory distress dogs that we see in our hospital is overly representative. I will see, I don't even want to know what it is, but I'd go at least a four to one, maybe a five to one ratio comparative to dogs that actually have a nose that don't have stenotic nares. And so it just to me is a tragedy for dogs to live their lives sucking through straws. There are some really wonderful friends and even colleagues and, you know, people in veterinary medicine who have these dogs. I am dead set against owning these dogs because I don't think that it's humane to own these dogs. I think we need to have responsible breeding and responsible breeding to me means we give the dog back its nose so it can breathe. The only reason, again, these dogs exist is because, oh, it's so cute. That is it. That's the only reason. They can't serve a function. They can barely bite. Most of them have horrible bites. Um, they've got, you know, undershot jaws or overshot jaws in an effort to, because they have to still fit in all their teeth. So they struggle sometimes with eating. I mean, you can't take a Frenchie too seriously when it's growling and barking at you because we realize if it goes to bite you, it's most likely going to miss because, well, it can't actually really function well with its jaw. So that's a whole nother issue. Not only that, but their backs are poorly designed as well. So they have something, a lot of these breeds have something called a hemivertebrae. This is a triangular shaped vertebrae that's wedged in between all the other vertebrae. And yes, good breeders will try to breed these things out, but the end result is there's still a high percentage of these dogs with hemivertebrates. So we have this, these breeds, these brachycephalic breeds that, oh my God, they're so cute, but they can't breathe. They've got back problems. They walk ridiculously funny. And then they are, they struggle to, to bite and chew things. And only because we think they're adorable, it, it's not just that breed. So I know that I'm going off on a tangent on brachycephalics, but I will also say, I feel like there's a lot of things that we can do better for a humane ethical standpoint when it comes to breeding dogs. And, and part of that is dachshunds. Like we've got, it's basically a bad, bad bridge design. You have the, the actual structures of support, their tiny little legs and a long span in the middle. They need another support in the middle of that long span in order to be a structurally better design. And we think they're, oh my God, they're so cute with their funny little long backs. But there's an overrepresentative amount of dachshunds who come in with back injuries, who end up paralyzed, who then have to end up in mobility carts and have no control over their bowels or bladder for the rest of their life because they unfortunately go ahead and rupture a disc and it causes them to be paralyzed. And so why do we have long dogs? Why can't we shorten the dog up through breeding and preserve the back? And then I look at just breed standards. So I have a mini Australian Shepherd and he has a tail. Tails are very important. And in this country, unfortunately, we dock tails. That's still a very common thing. In fact, there's plenty of people who don't recognize that my purebred mini Australian Shepherd who has a tail is actually a mini Aussie. And in fact, a lot of them will say, oh my gosh, he's such a cute mix. No, he's actually a purebred. And then I've even had owners say, oh, but they're not born with tails. Owners actually have no idea that at just a few days of age, 
These puppies will undergo a procedure called tail docking in which a veterinarian will go ahead and cut off the tails of puppies. Now in the 1990s, I worked at a general practice where ear cropping and tail docking was a very common procedure in certain breeds. I can assure you that puppies have pain receptors. They scream bloody murder and it's terrible. And I look back at my time in that general practice and I just didn't know any better. I thought now I think, why, why are we putting puppies through this pain and this torture to do that? And, so, and I've had breeders argue with me, well, it's like a circumcision, right? Like we do that to boys. We do that to, but what is the point of the tail docking other than that it's what's quote unquote breed standards. Some people will say, well, that prevents a tail injury, but I'm sorry that, that I've not seen that to be true in an emergency setting. And listen, I've seen lots of tail injuries on tailed dogs and there's some, there's no rhyme or reason. It's not like Australian shepherds are overly representative in the tail injury department. Um, ear cropping, another thing, you know, we've got Dobermans, which luckily now we can show them without cropped ears, but owners are unaware that there's a surgical procedure that happens. And then we have to have them in this weird headset thing. Why? So that we think that it looks, it looks like a tougher dog. And so I struggle with all of these things. When I, when I got my mini Aussie, I not only had to find a breeder that, that would keep a tail for me, but that would keep all tails. I contacted plenty of breeders and they said, oh, I'll keep a puppy with a tail for you. But that's not the point. I needed a breeder to understand the importance of tails. If you're not aware of the importance of tails, if there's an injury to a leg, the tail will actually help to shift the weight away or to certain areas of the body. I have had three tripod animals in my lifetime and I can assure you that their tails are actually used almost like a limb. And so when we take away a tail from a dog, not only do we take away a form of communication, but we actually also take away an area of it being able to stabilize itself if it falls or if God forbid it loses a limb. And I don't think people realize that it's not just a tail, it actually serves a purpose. And so the tail is very important. Uh, you know, as I like to say, they're born with all their body parts. They should keep all their body parts. So... When I look at breeding and breed standards, I obviously, I, as you can tell, I have a purebred dog. I love certain breeds of dogs, but I also think that we should be responsible as human beings to do what's right for an animal, not because we think it looks cute or cool or any of those things. And I think we have enough breeds out there and we continue to create breeds and I'm going to pause. I'm going to go down a weird segue because <laughs> as soon as I said create breeds, most of you thought hashtag not another doodle. Listen, if people want a doodle, give them a doodle. You know, when puggles came out, everyone hated on a puggle. But here's why I never hated on a puggle. A puggle is a mix of a pug and a beagle. What does the beagle have? It has a freaking nose. And what does the pug not have? No nose. So anytime we mix a pug with anything that has a nose and we give it a longer nose, listen, I am on board with that. That The puggle can breathe. You know what can't breathe is the pug. And doodles, yeah, you know what? You love them, you hate them. Maybe you don't care either way. Who cares? You know, at least it's not a breed that's damaging the dog in terms of its confirmation. And so let's talk about now responsible breeding. Responsible breeding means that an animal can live its life as, as free of disease 
and illness and injury because of its body conformation and because of its genetics, because of responsible breeding. Let's look at golden retrievers, one of the most popular breeds still in this country and arguably in other countries as well. The golden retriever breeders have worked really hard to reduce the amount of hemangiosarcoma in the breed. So this is a genetic predisposition to developing, unfortunately, this type of cancer, pretty devastating type of cancer, hemangiosarcoma. Responsible breeders will figure out which dogs have gotten cancer and then decide I'm never going to use that female again or never use that male. Great. That's responsible breeding. When we look at responsible breeding, there's a lot that we can do. We can actually get dogs to live a lot longer, give longer, healthier lives. And I'm completely on board with that. I do think purebred dogs and purebred cats and purebred anything should exist because there's a lot to be said about what the animal does as its original function. I like herding breed dogs. I like to do agility with my herders. I like to do some light sheep work with my herders. I like to trail one run with my herders. You know what I'm not trail running with? A dachshund. Why? Because I'd mostly just be afraid it's going to break its back. I'm not saying you can't run with a dachshund. I'm just saying put it in a bubble, get buy a cart ahead of time, and then you know, maybe just only run it for like a half a mile. It's got short legs. It's got to keep up with you. So I want something that can run many miles. And yeah, herders are great for that. Golden retrievers, they're great family dogs. So we have to remember that whatever the dog was innately designed to do, it probably still does. And then we look at our dogs that unfortunately we bred to a point just because we like the way they look. And yes, brachycephalic breeds are that. If you look at the history of French bulldogs, uh, you know, American bulldogs, or even pugs, the early breed standards actually had a longer nose. They always had stignotic nares by my research and looking up the history of these. But if you look back, even in the 1800s, bulldogs in particular had like an actual nose on them. They actually stood, uh, you know, less stocky. Their legs didn't bow out as much. They actually had narrower shoulders, but that wasn't cute. And so if we could go back to the 1800 versions of bulldogs, I'd be fine with that because that's okay. They're still cute. They're just not going to be as cute. And unfortunately to me, that's not responsible breeding. And I'm going to stand on my soapbox and say, the reason why I feel this way is because I've watched one too many brachycephalic breed dog, dogs die. I've watched too, way too many ear crops go bad. I've watched way too many tail dockings get infected. And I've watched way too many dachshunds blow out their backs. And all of that can be prevented. All of it can be prevented. All of it. It's crazy to me that we as a society just go, well, most of them are okay. When we could 100% fix this. If collectively all breeders stopped breeding Frenchies and pugs and bulldogs and we stopped having brachycephalic breeds, guess what? We wouldn't have those brachycephalic issues because the brachycephalics wouldn't exist. We'd stop doing C-sections, that's for sure, because a lot of dogs would be able to breed naturally. We'd still do C-sections on some dogs, don't get me wrong, some still have a dystocia, which means difficult birth, um, but they would mostly be able to give birth naturally. If we just made dachshunds shorter and not longer and maybe put their little structures known as their legs made those taller, then we would have less back injuries. That's a fact. All of these things are a fact. If we never cropped ears, 
We wouldn't have a cropped ear gone bad. If we never did tail docking, I'd never see another infected tail docking site ever. And dogs would be able to wag their tail. And you know, when they ended up having an ACL tear and limping on a leg, they used their tail as balance. So all of those things are 100% preventable, but it only happens if we just do responsible breeding, which is to not breed these things and to also not mutate animals, which is what docking and cropping and cutting off of buddy parts is. And I know this is a weird conversation for me to dive into, but it's one that I've always felt very passionate about the older I've gotten into this profession and especially once I got to emergency medicine. So I'm going to call out my bias once more. My bias is I've spent over 20 years in emergency medicine and I've watched a lot of brachycephalic breeds die. And my bias is that's completely preventable because they're dying from brachycephalic syndrome if we just didn't have the breed. And listen, they're adorable. Don't get me wrong. Like you just, mm, they're so freaking cute. You just want to, oh my God, they're so cute. They're adorable. They're round faces. They're big eyes. They're tiny little noses, but it's not healthy. And I went into this business because I love animals and I'm here to protect them and I'm here to do what's right by them and give them the best quality of life. And we can do that much better if we had dogs with noses, round nose holes, shorter backs, uh, no hemivertebrae. That would be nice. That would be great. <laughs> they could walk without their bow legs. That would be amazing. We keep the tails. We keep the ears. We keep all those things. We could give them better quality of life. And I guess we'd miss out on cuteness. But to be perfectly honest, it seems like a fair trade because I am a fan of health and injury free and all of those things. If we can have all of that, I'd take that all in lieu of something just being on this planet because it's cute. And so I'm going to end this podcast for all of those who own these adorable dogs, love your brachycephalic dog. I do think they're cute. I think they're fantastic, but I would also love to live in a world where I didn't have to see these dogs die simply because that's how they're bred. And it isn't a good breeder. It's not a bad breeder. It just is. This is the breed. It doesn't have to do with how much money you spend on that dog or again, that it came from the best pedigree lines. It does have to do with it a tiny bit, but in the end, even those from the best breeders, they die because of their brachycephalic syndrome because they are brachycephalics. And Winston is a gorgeous, good looking dog who deserved to win that show. But I'd personally rather never see that breed in those shows again. We shouldn't be perpetuating a breed that can't even give birth naturally. And again, if we can shorten up the docks and backs and just stop chopping off body parts, that would be great. Thank you so much for listening. I know this was a very odd podcast for me to do, but I have been on this soapbox for over uh, probably a decade at this point, and I'm going to continue to be on this soapbox. So thank you for all that you do. I welcome any conversation. I recognize that I am probably not liked at the end of this podcast by some of you, but please know I'm coming from a place of kindness and love towards the animals that we treat every day in our veterinary hospital. Uh, thank you for being a unicorn and please check out all my other blogs, vlogs, and podcasts at vetteamtraining.com.